keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. And today is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023. The Feast of St. Clement Marie Hofbauer. She was an apostle. He was an apostle of Vienna who was born to Taswitz, Austria, on December 26, 1751, and died on March 15, 1821. Defended the Catholic faith against the rationalism of the 18th century and Enlightenment thinking, and he did not cede an inch to the threat of preaching to empty pews. His position was counter-revolutionary, and he fought against the motto, Cheed to not lose. His life serves as an example to Catholics today who must speak the whole truth and stand up against the forces that oppose the church. St. Clement Marie Hofbauer, pray for us. Happy Wednesday to you. Good morning. Isn't that a great motto to, uh, to fight against today? See to not lose. That's a horrible thing to say. Just give up. Eh, you don't want to lose. So just give up. If you give up, then you won't lose. That sounds contradictory. If you give up, then I guess you've lost. So uh, let's be more like St. Clement instead and fight against that attitude. Uh, good morning to you, uh, Tito Edwards. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, that reminds me a lot about uh, Paul Ryan, Mitt Romney, uh, you know, the like, seed, not lose. So, yeah, that that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm not sure why. That's funny. No, that's, that's pretty funny. You know, I, I saw this uh, story uh, that I wanted to talk about in the 15 After segment, but I wanted to talk about something else instead, so I'm just going to bring it up right now. Uh, Greta Thunberg deletes 2018 tweet warning that humans will go extinct if climate isn't fixed by 2023. And it's 2023, and so far... I'm not seeing humans being extinct. Um, Tito, are you extinct? No, I'm pretty much alive. I'm I'm really disappointed. uh, Al Gore came up with a similar thing a few years ago. 2019 came and went, and and we're still around. So uh, I think our odds are looking pretty good. I think we're about one up on the dinosaurs right now. That's good. I'm glad to hear it. So there you go. Another failed doomsday prediction from the climate activist uh there's my one of my favorite website it's called extinctionclock.org and it's called extinctionclock.org i check it out because it's really funny and they go through and they track all the major uh, predictions for the end of the world and it starts saying okay this one nope nope did this one happen nope did this one happen nope and then they have a bunch that are going to happen the the one they have that's the latest right now is that's going to be December 31st, 2099. And so their their label says, not yet. So there you go. <laughs> but the next one on the list, the next one on the list for the destruction of the world, guess when that is? Uh, 20, uh, 2024, uh, November 11th, the day of the election. You're, you're close. You're close. It's actually April 18th, 2023. Oh. So just so you know, guys, no. We're going to have a massive species extinction uh, coming this April 18th, 2023, according to the, the Nina Fascioni, Vice President of, for Field Conservation Programs at Defenders of Wildlife. So there you go, guys. We only have less than a month to live. 
according to these people. When does Easter fall? Fall on oh, April 13th or around yeah. there? Right after Easter. There yeah. you go. So it's pretty funny. I think it's hilarious because there's just like everybody, all these climate activists are always pre uh, predicting the end of the world, and it never happens. It never happens. And your charity, I'd ask that you continue to pray for Sarah Grant's soul, that her, her the repose of her soul, and uh, for Ryan Grant and their, their nine kids, that they be blessed and they be comforted by our Lord. Sarah Grant passed to her eternal war, award, reward, there we go, on Sunday around 1 p.m. So if you could pray for their family, I would be very grateful to you. And also, he's praying for uh, my friend uh, Maddie and Joey and their son, Joseph Magnus Kutheins, was born. Very cool. Very, very cool. So pray for the, the newborn baby. He's adorable looking. But uh, I have to go and harass them to say, hey, can I come visit your child? I just want to just want to carry him for a little bit. It's it's Matthew Magnus. It's Joseph Magnus. Joseph Magnus. Oh, yes. OK, OK. Very strong name. Yeah. Joseph, Joma. most strong. Pray Magnus. for us. Uh, at 15 past the hour, we're going to be talking to talking about a famous actress who is calling for murder. I say famous, but I've never heard of her before. Uh, plus, Pope Francis is going to allow priests to get married. I heard that. We'll see if that's there's some truth to that. At 30 past the hour. Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today will be on to talk about the fifth or the sorry, that's not the oh yeah, it is the fifth word. The fifth word from the cross, I thirst. And in the next hour, we of course will be playing our fear and trembling game show. Here's a pro tip. You can actually hop onto our social media stream, or not my social media stream, you can hop onto our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and get our phone number for the fear and trembling game show ahead of time. Call in early and hang out on hold. That's something you're able to do. But let's jump in and with prayer. We're going to be praying for your intentions. We're going to be praying for our friends, our family, our benefactors, and all those that we promise to pray for. We're going to be praying for those intentions and whatever it is that you desire and that whatever it is that you need in your life, we'll be praying for those. And, of course, for Ryan Grant, his family, for the repose of the soul of Sarah Grant, and for the newborn Joseph Magnus Guthines. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Joseph, Virgin Father of Jesus, most pure spouse of the Virgin Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God, that armed with the weapons of his grace, we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by him in death. Behold the faithful and prudent servant whom the Lord set over his house. Pray for us, O holy Saint Joseph, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, and these are your headlines for today. CBS Baltimore is reporting a Baltimore Circuit Court judge approved the release of the Catholic Church sex abuse report with proposed redactions. There is no timeline, however, for when the report will be released. The redactions including includes omitting names of people who are living and are accused of abuse, hiding abuse, enabling abuse, assisting in cover-up, and all other consequences of their actions. Catholic World News Report is, re is saying a historic building near the Vatican is to become a Four Seasons Hotel. The building is part of the headquarters of the Equestrian Order of the Holy Sepulchre of Jerusalem. The Wall Street Journal offers additional details of the 30-year lease of the property and its function being transformed to a hotel. Crux is reporting in a recent letter to Iraq's Grand Ayatollah Ali Sistani 
The chief figure in Shia Islam, Pope Francis, recalled their historic meeting two years ago and urged greater collaboration among their communities in promoting peace and basic human rights. Francis has called Al-Sistani's commitment to those who have suffered persecution to preserve the sanctity of life. And finally, CNBC is reporting the fallout from an encounter between a U.S. drone and a Russian fighter jet. On Tuesday, it continues to be monitored closely and comes as British and German fighters jets have approached the Russian aircraft away from Estonian airspace. In comments released in the early hours of Wednesday, Russia's ambassador to the U.S. appeared to blame the U.S. for downing the U.S. drone over the Black Sea on Tuesday, calling the U.S. military reckless and unsafe. <laughs> Thank you, Russia, for that. Those were your headlines this morning. God bless your efforts today. The gospel of the day comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. Do not think that I have come to set aside the law and the prophets. I have not come to set them aside, but to bring them to perfection. Believe me, heaven and earth must disappear sooner than one jot one flourish should disappear from the law. It must all be accomplished. Whoever then sets aside one of these commandments, though it were the least, and teach men to do the like, will be of least account in the kingdom of heaven. But the man who keeps them and teaches others to keep them will be accounted in the kingdom of heaven as the greatest. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Cornelius Alapide had a lot to say about the gospel today. He a couple of points. He says, Think not that I come to destroy the law and the prophets. Christ's special meaning in this place is that he came to fulfill the moral precepts of the law by teaching and expounding them more perfectly and by substituting the sanction of eternal for temporal rewards and punishments. So notice here he's saying the old law, there was promise of temporal rewards, meaning worldly rewards. Oh, we will bless your families. We will bless these. We will bless that. And, of course, God will bless the people who do good. But more importantly, and more to the point here, more perfectly, he promise, promises eternal rewards rather than temporal. And he goes on, and by adding to things of precepts, evangelical counsels of perfection. That's poverty, chastity, and obedience. He's giving them those precepts that are evangelical counsels of perfection, as will be plain from what follows. It is also meant that Christ supplied the imperfection of the law of Moses by justifying us through faith and the sacraments of the new law, which he instituted, which the law of Moses could not do, meaning the laws of Moses did not justify us. The law of Moses did not forgive sins. They did not provide us with the sacramental grace. They were prefigurements of the sacrifice, the sacraments to come. Cornelius Lapide goes on, until heaven pass away, not by nature in the perishing of nature, but by the mutation of its condition. That is, until heaven be changed from this state of corruption to a new and glorious state at the resurrection. In other words, before the end of the world, when heaven and earth shall pass away, which means to shall be renewed, it is necessary that all things which are written of me in the law be fulfilled. Or rather, until heaven pass away means, until it wholly perish. The sentence is a hypothetical one and means sooner may heaven be destroyed 
sooner the earth be riven in twain, sooner the universe come to an end, than the minutest point of the law not be fulfilled either in this life or in the life to come. So long, therefore, as heaven and earth shall stand, so long the whole law shall stand. Heaven and earth shall endure forever. Much more shall the whole law endure eternally, according to these words of Christ. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Very, very important. Why is this important? Because we are noting here that our Lord says not one jot or till will be changed. Not one little dot. And this was important because in the Greek and in the Latin, there is the use the word iota or the letter I. And this is actually becomes very important in the early church. And this is referred back to because the heresy of Arianism was an argument over the letter I. There was the argument saying, is our Lord homoousia with the father or hermoousia with the father? Which the only difference was the letter I. And that was the only thing. And what was changed was, is our Lord the same as the Father or similar to the Father? And it was just that letter I that was the debate that ravaged the church. Very, very big deal. What does this say to us? This says to us that every little jot and tittle of the law, every jot and tittle of the church's doctrines, we must adhere to. We must love we must defend, and we cannot change them because it is not our law. And it will be sooner that the heavens and the earth are destroyed. And notice, heaven cannot be destroyed. Heaven cannot be annihilated. And so that's why Cornelius Lapidus says this is a hypothetical. And so here he's talking about it would be sooner that something impossible would happen than the doctrines of the church to change. And so let us keep that in our forefronts of our mind when we hear about people claiming that the church is changing its doctrine, claiming that things are changing in the church, that soon we're going to have women ordination. Soon we're going to have this, that, and the other. No, because sooner will the heavens and earth pass away than one jot or tittle of the law be changed. And woe to him who decides to try to destroy this law, who tries to change what our Lord has set up for himself. Because his word shall not pass away. And notice here, the word, the verbum, the logos is Christ himself. For Christ is the word made flesh. So to change the word of God, to change his doctrines, is to attempt to destroy and to change Christ himself. Let's keep that in the forefront of our mind today. We'll be right back with more on Catholic Drive Time. Hey, Donnie, what two important things do we receive when we go to Mass? Scripture and the Eucharist. Great job. You're so smart. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Hello, 
this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Who did God use to get John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Here's your choices. Could it have been Simeon or St. Joseph or maybe an unknown prophet? Maybe Jesus. Who was it? Your answer in a moment. Secondly, so what methods do we see in the New Testament for Christians receiving the Holy Spirit? Well, it was usually through the laying on of hands. Peter and John laid hands on those in Samaria. St. Paul laid hands on those believers in Ephesus. Prior to that, we see Jesus merely breathing on the apostles. So here's your answer. A greeting. Yes, a greeting. You see, after Gabriel's powerful annunciation to the Virgin Mary, a simple, profound greeting from Mary to Elizabeth caused John the Baptist to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as a result, he leaped in her womb. Now, to all my daring Pentecostal church friends, no matter how much you pray in tongues over someone, this method won't work. Why? Because it's not a method. It was the divine team of the Blessed Trinity, Gabriel, Mary, and Elizabeth, and that, my friend, will not happen again. And we are back. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca, and it's so good to be here with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it was kind of funny. I was seeing the story, and the, the headline was, a famous actress Jane Fonda called for murder of pro-lifers as response to overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I was like, who? And I was like, okay, you know, I pro- I'm not great with names. I probably just don't know who this is. So I went through and I looked up the person, pulled up their IMDb page, and, and I scrolled through their entire IMDb page. I didn't recognize a single movie or TV show. The only thing I recognized was that she had a guest appearance as a Simpsons character. I've actually never even seen The Simpsons. I've seen clips that appear on YouTube, but I've actually never seen an entire episode of it. So I literally have never even heard of this woman, but she was making the round, so I thought it was worthy of bringing up. But uh, Tito, do you know who this uh, who Jane Fonda is? Yes. the uh, It's a combination of her last name coming from a famous family, and she was a sex symbol. She came to her height in the middle of the 70s and faded gradually into the late 80s. And her claim to fame, unfortunately for her, was during the Vietnam War, she visited the North Vietnamese communists and took pictures with them in their tanks. And forever she was nicknamed, yes, she was against, when we were fighting them, she was forever called Hanoi Jane for that, and she's regretted it her entire life. Wow. (laughs) That's so much worse than I was expecting. Yes, Hanoi Jane, go look it up on a search engine. Oh my goodness. Honestly, that's not that's not what I was expecting to uh, to find out about her. I thought you were going to be like, oh, yeah, she was a famous actress that everybody mm-hmm. knew back in the day. She was in this movie that everybody knew. But no, no. no that's hilarious. She's a decent actress. Uh, she made a couple of uh, B movies that propelled her to stardom. But they were pr- pretty much uh, no nudity, but skin, you know, lots of skin shown. Oh, there that, you go. That's folks. about it. There you go. Well, she came out the other day, two days ago, and I just want to breeze through this because it's not that uh, worthy of commentary, but it is important to note because it's it's a sign that it's becoming more and more acceptable to say outrageous things like this. They're pushing the overtune window, and that's what's important about this. So what happened was they on the talk show, she was being interviewed about the situation, and this is the exchange. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what it feels like, she said. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. Besides marching and protesting, what else do you suggest, co-host Joy Behar asked in response to her assertion. 
Fonda responded, It does involve murder, as the panel continued to engage in crosstalk. And you would think, okay, well, she's probably going to walk that back. But instead, Tomlin asked her to clarify her remarks, and she restated the word murder. Behar insisted that Fonda was just joking as Tomlin urged her, don't do that. And Behar warned, they'll pick up on that, which they're right. We are picking up on that. Referring to critics of the program, yada, yada, yada. As Behar reiterated that Fonda was just kidding, the actress turned toward the panelists with an unhappy look on her face. So it's very concerning. They're calling for murder of pro-lifers in the same breath that they are arresting pro-lifers for praying the rosary outside of abortion clinics. And the FBI is investigating traditional Catholics because we are a hotbed for white supremacy. I know my uh, my current uh, skin color is a huge uh, reference to white supremacy. Um, I, I know it's 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 ingrained in my in my skin color. It, it's such a dichotomy of what happened a week ago with Michael Knowles, a, a popular Catholic a political commentator, who said, "Eradicate transgenderism," and they purposely said to el- or eliminate transgenderism. They purposely misinterpreted it as killing transgender people. And here we have an an actual quote of killing pro-lifers. And it's swept under the rug 24 hours later. So moving on to a more uh, interesting story to me is the question of clerical celibacy. Now, this article came out by the Timcast, which I was surprised because they're a secular news organization reporting on the Catholic Church ending priestly celibacy. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Very curious to hear about uh, what they have to say. So I was reading it, and they, they cite Pope Francis as saying, There is no contradiction for a priest to marry. Celibacy in the Western church is a temporary prescription. Temporary? I can understand saying, you know, it's a discipline, but a temporary prescription, meaning that it eventually will go away. It's temporary. That's very interesting. As Francis said this during an interview with Argentina's Infobe, he said, quote, It is not eternal like priestly ordination, which is forever. Whether you like it or not, whether you leave or or not is another matter, but it is forever. On the other hand, celibacy is a discipline. Now, this is also interesting because he does affirm the fact that ordination is eternal. It's an indelible mark on the soul, which you can never leave. Even if you leave the priesthood, you do not actually remove that indelible mark on your soul. Now, he does. He goes on to say that celibacy is a discipline, implying this can and and by judging by the word temporary he used earlier, should change. That's very concerning. He also said, This urgent need leads me to urge all bishops, especially those in Latin America, not only to promote prayer for priestly vocations, but also to be more generous in encouraging those who display missionary vocation to opt for the Amazon region. This was a a reference to the fact that the Amazonian Catholics are in need of priests, and so there is a push to say, okay, we need to have um, very provati become priests, proven men, men who are married but already have this uh, proven track record of holiness to become priests nonetheless. Now, there's always concern about this coming up, and I don't know. Uh, I don't know what Pope Francis, what he's thinking in his mind. I have no clue what he plans or plans not to do. All I'm going to say is that this should not be done. And I want to read to you an excerpt from the Prophecies and Revelations of St. Bridget of Sweden. 
Now, you can find this on page 173 of the Life and Selection Select Revelations. Uh, it's right there on page 173 if you want the citation. Here, you know, if you don't know who St. Bridget of Sweden is, she's a 14th century saint who was canonized 18 years after her death at around 1918, uh, sorry, 1370s. And she predicted the eventual Vatican state. She, she foretold in a prophecy saying that almost the exact boundaries delineated by Mussolini for Vatican City in 1921. So that's pretty impressive. And just to give her some more credentials, Pope Benedict XVI spoke of Bridget in a general audience on the 27th of October 2010, saying that the value of St. Bridget's revelations, sometimes the object of doubt, was specified by Pope John Paul II in his letter, Spe Edificandi. He said, quote, Yet there is no doubt that the church wrote my beloved predecessor, which recognized Bridget's holiness without ever pronouncing on her individual revelations, has accepted the overall authenticity of her interior experience, end quote. So it's private revelation. You don't have to believe it if you don't want to, but it is certainly a something that we shouldn't ignore entirely because at the very least, this was a personal thoughts of a holy and saintly woman who was a canonized person in the church. Now, also note before I go into this, the Eastern Church has their traditions. I'm not commenting on the Eastern Church, but this is the tradition of the West. And the Eastern Church has always had married priests, but the West did not. Uh, how that difference, I'm not going to even venture to comment on the Eastern Church. I don't know enough about it. But this is what St. Bridget of Sweden said, that Our Lady appeared to her and told her uh, to her directly. So these are the words of Our Lady through St. Bridget of Sweden. Wow. But now I shall tell you God's will in this matter. For I gave birth to God himself. You will make these things known to my bishop and say to him that circumcision was given to Abraham long before the law was given to Moses. And that in that time of Abraham, all human beings whatsoever were guided according to their own intellect and according to the choice of their own will, and that nevertheless, many of them were then friends of God. But after the law was given to Moses, it then pleased God more than human beings should live under the law and according to the law, rather than follow their own human understanding and choice. It was the same with my son's blessed body. For after he instituted in the world this new sacrament of the Eucharist and ascended into heaven, the ancient law was then still kept, namely that Christian priests lived in carnal matrimony, meaning men, uh, the Christian priests were married and were still engaged in the marital act. And nonetheless, many of them were still friends of God because they believed with simple purity that this was pleasing to God. Namely, that Christian priests should have wives and live in wedlock, just as in the ancient times of the Jews. This had pleased him in the case of the Jewish priest. And so this was the observance of Christian priests for many years. But the observance in ancient customs seemed very abominable and hateful to all the heavenly court and to me who gave birth to his body. Now notice here, St. Bridget says that they did this out of purity. They did not do this out of malice. So it was not, they were not judged due to it, but objectively it was abominable to the heavenly court and to our lady going on, namely because it was being thus observed by Christian priests who with their hands touch and handle this new and immaculate sacrament of the most holy body of my son. 
For the Jews had in the ancient law of the Old Testament a shadow, a figure of the sacrament. But Christians now have the truth itself, namely him who is true God, a man in that blessed and consecrated bread. After those earlier priests had observed these practices for a time, God himself, through the infusion of the Holy Spirit, put into the heart of the Pope, then guided the church another law more acceptable and pleasing to him in this matter, namely by pouring this infusion into the heart of the Pope so that he established a statute in the universal church that Christian priests who have so holy and so worthy an office, namely of consecrating this precious sacrament, should by no means live in easily contaminated carnal delights of marriage. And therefore, through God's preordinance and his judgment, it has been justly ordained that priests who do not live in chastity and continence of the flesh are cursed and excommunicated before God and deserve to be deprived of their priestly office. But still, if they truthfully amend their lives with the true purpose of not sinning further, they will obtain mercy from God. And here it gets a little graphic, so just a heads up. Know this too, that if some pope conceded to priests a license to contract carnal marriage, God will condemn him to a sentence as great in a spiritual way as that which the law justly inflicts in a corporeal way on a man who has transgressed so gravely that he must have his eyes gouged out and his tongues and lips and nose and ears cut off, his hands and feet amputated, all his body's blood spilled out to grow completely cold. And finally, his whole bloodless corpse cast out to be devoured by dogs and other wild beasts. Similar things would truly happen in a spiritual way to that Pope who, who were to go against the aforementioned preordinance and will of God and concede to priests such a license to contract marriage. Oof. That is very rough from this great saint. And so these words, I cannot, I don't know. I mean, this may be an authentic vision. It may not be. That's not for me to determine. And I don't know what Pope Francis believes or not believes. All I know is that St. Bridget of Sweden claims that Our Lady told her that any pope who would dare to get rid of priestly celibacy, woe to him. Woe to him. We'll be right back with Bishop Sheen today. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question. Why is your Protestant Bible four ounces lighter than my Catholic Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a faulty scale? Nope. Well, maybe it's just the weight of the paper or the cover or the binding or some introductory comments. We wish it were just that simple. No, it's the seven books that got dismissed by team Martin Luther. Secondly, audacity. Audacity allowed Luther and others to extract time-tested truths of Scripture and key letters from the canon. What? Yes, about 1,200 years after the Bible canon was fully established, they rejected seven Old Testament books. Not only that, Luther placed the New Testament books of James and Jude, Hebrews and Revelation in a category called, quote, the disputed books. And thirdly, a pesky comeback. If I were to write a deeply personal letter to my wife regarding our future descendants, don't be taking seven of my choice paragraphs out of that letter. Why? You might be robbing those future descendants of a little bit of who Papa was. Now, don't you do that. 
Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Wednesday, March 15th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for today. Catholic World News is reporting the vandalization of a parish church in Connecticut this past weekend was a 300th act of violence against an American church since May 2020, the Catholic Vote reports. In more than a dozen instances, pro-abortion radicals disrupted a mass, the group notes. The disruption of a religious service is a violation of the Federal FACE Act, the same legislation that is being used by federal prosecutors to pursue pro-life activists. Brian Birch, the president of Catholic Vote, said our second Catholic president has shown a reckless disregard for the church in America as the attacks on Catholic churches and institutions go unpunished. Catholic World News also reports the Chaldean Catholic Patriarch Luis Rafael Sakorip has said that 20 years after the first U.S. military intervention in Iraq, the country's people are still suffering from the consequences. The people of Iraq were initially happy with the removal of dictator Saddam Hussein and the promise of democratic rule. Cardinal Sako recalled, quote, however, in a short time, the climate changed, end quote. He said as open borders allowed Islamic fundamentalists to gain influence and there was no effective central government to maintain stability. Vatican News is reporting at Pope Francis's weekly general audience. He said that all Christians, priests, religion, religious and lay people are called to a mission of evangelization. At his weekly general audience this Wednesday, Pope Francis continued with his series of catechesis on the passion for evangelizing, stressing that Christ calls everyone to be an apostle of his word. And Nice News is reporting more than 500 years after Michelangelo Buonarroti finished painting the ceiling fresco of the Sistine Chapel in the Vatican, a chalk sketch has been identified as a study of the, for the masterpiece. The red chalk drawing of a nude man on a sheet of paper that measures 11 by 8 inches has been linked to one of the figures battling serpents on the worship of the brazen serpent painting. I'm Tito Edwards, and these are your headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up to date. And joining us in just one moment is Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen Today. I always get that wrong. I always want to say Fulton Sheen Today, but it's not Fulton Sheen Today. It's Bishop Sheen Today. And if you go to his website, I highly recommend it. He has all sorts of great content there to be able to get some uh, good Fulton Sheen uh, material, whether it be his talks, his radio shows, and some free books, along with all of his other books there. So make sure you check out bishopsheentoday.com. Good morning to you, Alan Smith. Uh, good morning, Adrian, and to uh, our listening audience. Uh, great to be here on this cold, blustery day from Canada. But I'm sure it's warm and balmy in Texas. But uh, <laughs> You know, actually, it was nice and cool this morning. I woke up and I stepped out, and it was a nice... 57 degrees. I was very wow. pleased. I was very pleased. Yeah, we're at 30 degrees here. So, uh, see, not uh, that different. Freezing. Not yeah. that different uh, after anyway, all. Anyway, but, but we, we, we thirst for 
the good weather. The Amen. Good weather. Amen. Today we're going to talk about the words I thirst uh, from our Lord from the cross. So uh, looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the fifth word from the cross is I thirst, which Fulton Sheen points out that is the shortest word from the cross. And in fact, in the original language, it would have only been one word. And so this is a very, very unique aspect. He also points out that, you know, this word, the other words were pointed out to God or to the disciples or to Our Lady. And this one is the one that is unique and that it was not directed to any one individual person. Uh, what are your first thoughts, Alan Smith, about the words, I thirst? Well, I think of it uh, a couple ways. One, uh, immediately I think of uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Uh, it was her, I want to say her anthem. She uh, used those words, I thirst, to uh, motivate uh, what I just call, you know, an army of sisters who have ministered to the poor. Uh, they ministered to the suffering Christ because our Lord is on the cross suffering for, um, you know, our sins, but again, looking to be consoled. And yet Mother Teresa consoles the suffering Christ by uh, ministering to those in need. And so I think of how our Lord is just asking for a relationship. He's thirsting for time with us. And uh, again, yet we ignore his crying. So these words I thirst is that um, uh, invitation, that invitation that God is extending uh, to us to say, spend some time with me. I'm thirsting for you. I came to this world to die for you. Could we not spend time together and, uh, like I say, get to know each other for all eternity? So, again, those words I thirst, I think of them as Mother Teresa's anthem and, of course, that invitation to come and spend time with Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I was going through his the, the book, uh, your book on Fulton Sheen's uh, Seven Last Words, and one thing that really struck me is just how I always am just caught up in the prose of Fulton Sheen. His prose is, is so poetic that it's just, it's amazing. So if you've never read Sheen directly, I highly recommend you pick up one of his books and, and just read his writing. Let me read you an excerpt and I'm going to get your thoughts on this, Alan. He says, he, the God-man, who threw the stars in their orbits and spheres into space, who swung the earth a trinket at his wrist, from whose fingertips tumbled planets and worlds, who might have said, the sea is mine. And with it, the streams in a thousand valleys and the cataracts in a thousand hills. Now asked man, man, a piece of his own handiwork to help him. He asked man for a drink, not a drink of earthly water. That is not what he meant, but a drink of love. I thirst for love. What are your thoughts on that, Alan Smith? Yes, I, I think, you know, Fulton Sheen um, in his writings on the seven last words, uh, looks at uh, the words I thirst nine different ways. And uh, yet you can see how he's saying in a very poetic way, he is God. Uh, he made the heavens and the earth. He made the water. He made the seas. Um, yet uh, again, he asks us, as he did the woman at the well, to come and drink, uh, to come and have that everlasting water uh, that quenches the thirst for all eternity. So, um, again, his poetry is amazing, but also what he does and how he brings about everyday situations to uh, jog our memory. Uh, he talks a lot about zeal um, 
you know, through his writings and connecting the words I thirst to zeal, especially missionary zeal, to um, bring souls to Christ. And I'll give one example just quickly. I know we're coming up to a break, but he, he talks about how if only one person in the world truly believed in Jesus Christ and the sacraments, and uh, again, this um, idea of spreading God's love, if only one guy believed in it, and he found a friend, say Adrian, and he converted Adrian. And so at the end of the first year, uh, and he only just converted one person a year, there'd be two. And then if Adrian and Al went out and converted two more, there'd be four. And you can do this math where you just say, if I just bring one convert a year to the faith, to Jesus Christ, and do that for 30 consecutive years, uh, you'd be surprised with the math. Uh, it gleans this beautiful result. He says, if everybody converts just one person, you know, over 30 years, there would be 1,073,741,824 souls breaking their fast with the bread of life. Uh, we miss the point. We miss this uh, point of just trying to go and live one, win one soul for Christ. And if we all did that, we'd have millions, if not billions, of followers coming to uh, quench the thirst of our Lord looking for his sheep. Wow, Alan. I hadn't even thought of that. That's, that's amazing to think about. Yes, if we all took the missionary mandate seriously and wanted to quench the thirst for souls of our Lord and said, let's go convert just one soul, just one soul, that could have reverberating effects across the world, across everything, across heaven. What a grace. What a grace. I never even, I never even considered that. That's what a beautiful thing, Alan. Uh, tell me, what did Fulton Sheen, because uh, he was huge into the missions, and so this probably tied in directly with that. Did he comment on I thirst in regards to the missions? Well, you think of the Beatitudes, this great, uh, an, another sermon from a mount uh, that Jesus gave to his apostles. Uh, and he said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after justice, for they shall have their fill. And, and I really believe Fulton Sheen lived that out in his role as the head of the Pontifical Mission Society, uh, going uh, uh, out to the poor and the marginalized to bring them the gospel. Uh, the gospel of justice, the gospel of peace, but also to bring them relief to their needs, their bodily needs. Uh, because he said, unless souls are saved, nothing is saved. But we also have to save the body. We have to uh, minister to the body and provide for people. Uh, but again, it's that missionary zeal that Fulton Sheen said it was his greatest love. He said, you know, of course, he loves Our Lady and he loves the Eucharist. But he said many times, my great love is for the propagation of the faith, to share the faith all over the world so that people will have this encounter with Jesus Christ and know the story that he loved the world so much that he came and took on flesh and dwelt among us and then died on the cross for us. He wants everyone to know that story, that great love story, and that he does not leave us orphaned. He's left us with his mother and he's left us the Eucharist. So, uh, again, God is true to his word. So Fulton Sheen wants everyone to know that. Amen, amen. Thank you very much, Alan. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about I thirst. There's so much more that needs to be said. Did you know this word has a direct relationship with receiving Holy Communion? This and much more on the other side of the break.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. Uh, first off, I'd just like to say um, I did uh, five years in prison in Texas, and thanks to the Guadalupe radio network down there and your ministry, there is a lot of us getting back on track. And especially a big thank you to all your donors who donate to the network, and uh, it really helps a lot of us felons find the way and find that the, the Catholic truth and get back on track. So really thank you for that. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. And we are back. Welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. You know, have you ever thought to yourself, man, love, why is it that love is always talked about in terms of pain? Why is that? Why do? Why is it that in the Greek mythology they had Cupid with arrows why is it that we always we have to kind of have that association? Well, Fulton Sheen also picked up on this. He said, love means also to suffer for the one loved. This is why we speak of arrows and darts of love, something that wounds. And that reminded me of a, of a poem that I learned that I don't even know where it's from originally or even if this is the entirety of the poem. But I remember this poem and it goes, life is short and death is sure. The hour of death remains obscure. A soul we have in only one. If that is lost, all hope is gone. The wounds of Christ are flaming arrows that pierce the hardest hearts and inflame the coldest souls. Good morning to you, Alan Smith with Bishop Sheen today. What are your thoughts about love as an arrow? Wow, uh, that is deep. And um I love poetry, but uh, Fulton Sheen loves poetry, and he includes it in his writings so many times. But uh, it is the arrow. I think of, when you mentioned arrow, I thought immediately of the golden arrow prayer, uh, mm. this beautiful prayer that many of us are praying now who have a devotion to the holy face. And um, the, uh, the, 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 the nun that uh, our Lord spoke to, um, Sister Marie de Saint-Pierre, uh, he said that when people say this beautiful golden arrow prayer, uh, it is a, a, a soothing balm to the heart of Jesus. And uh, it just brings him great delight. And we think of when we respond to our Lord's um, request to that he thirsts, that we come and be with him and uh, spend time with him to console him, how his heart is, uh, it's like this beautiful arrow that um, just pierces his heart in a, a great way of divine love. 
And let me just share that beautiful prayer, the golden arrow prayer, because I think it needs to be prayed more, but uh, it's so beautiful. May the most holy, most sacred, most adorable, most incomprehensible and, utter, and unutterable name of God be always praised, blessed, loved, adored, and glorified in heaven, on earth, and under the earth by all the creatures of God and by the sacred heart of our Lord Jesus Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Amen. Amen. That prayer just pleases our Lord. Amen. And uh, again, when we hear the words, I thirst, uh, when it is preached in the gospel, let us, of course, turn to our Lord and uh, say these beautiful prayers because he's waiting for, uh, I guess, a union with us. And you had mentioned earlier, um, Adrian, about communion and how the word I thirst uh, ties in beautifully to the Eucharist and uh, the Mass and how Fulton Sheen uh, gives us this opportunity to have an exchange. Um, a lot of times we think of Holy Communion as just receiving. Uh, we go up and receive the Lord, uh, but we also have this opportunity to give ourselves to him, uh, to have this beautiful exchange. And so uh, this is one thing that Fulton Sheen brought to my attention, is to uh, take that opportunity to have an exchange with our Lord when you go up to receive him uh, every Sunday at Holy Mass. You know, Alan, when I was reading the commentaries from Fulton Sheen on the Mass it is what a beautiful thing because whenever he was using the analogy of eating food, he was saying, you know, we eat and we we take in animals and we kind of have a saying in English, uh, you are what you eat. And so here our Lord is almost almost paradoxically saying the reverse and says, I thirst because I want you to be in communion with me, but even more so, I want you to take on divinity it's very interesting to me. What are your thoughts about what he said about Holy Communion? Yeah, I, again, it's this opportunity for uh, to be in union with our Lord, to receive. Um, you know, Fulton Sheen, um, you know, talks again, uses a great uh, you know analogy. Uh, he talks about the happy faults. Uh, now, I'm not a hunter, but those who hunt get to consume their own game. They get to enjoy the spoils. And yet, in a very mystical way, uh, we um, crucified our Lord. Our sins put him on the cross, and he died. Yet, he feeds us with his body. Uh, his crucified body, his precious blood, uh, comes into our bodies. We, uh, through this happy fault, get to consume what we have slain. And yes, we have slain our Lord with our sin, but yet he loves us so much that he says, I'll still feed you with this slain body. So, uh, again, a, a happy fault, uh, truly a happy fault. Uh, but this beautiful exchange, uh, and again, I'm just trying to find the passage uh, so I can quote it perfectly, but it's this idea that um, Fulton Jean is saying, give God your time and he'll give you his eternity. Um, that That's just such a beautiful line to think, give God your time and he'll give you your eternity, his eternity. So, you know, again, it's interesting I, you I, say that. I was just remembering as you said that a, a someone told me this. I don't remember where I heard it from. It could have been a Fulton Sheen, to be honest, because it's, it's such a quotable thing that it could have been Sheen. It could have been Chesterton. It could have been anybody. But I had heard this and it really stuck with me. Someone said, God desires just 
just one little thing, just one little thing, and he has promised you everything, eternity, his entire self, God himself, he promises him the divinity, which is infinite, infinite love, infinite goodness, infinite all that is that you could ever desire, all of it he is, at, he is offering to you. And all he's asking is one little bitty thing, which is all of yourself. And I thought that was what a beautiful, beautiful thing to say. Alan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I did, uh, you know, again, it ties in beautifully. I did find the quote in the book, uh, Fulton Sheen says, he says, we give God our time and he gives us his eternity. We give him our humanity and he gives us his divinity. We give him our nothingness and he gives us his all. Uh, so beautiful, so beautiful. And, um, you know, thinking of giving God his all, um, naturally we think of where we failed the Lord, uh, where we don't give him our all. <laughs> um, you know, Fulton Sheen loves to tackle the sin of gluttony uh, and use the words I thirst as the remedy for the sins of gluttony. But the gluttony is not just in food and drink. Uh, it can be in sports and entertainment and so many other things. Uh, yet he's proposing uh, to us uh, this beautiful uh, opportunity to uh, make uh, reparation for the sins of gluttony. And, you know, I think of Fulton Sheen and his wisdom, and I'll share this with you uh, briefly. He says, if there is any indication of the present degeneration of society, better than any other. It is the excess of luxury in the modern world. When men begin to forget their souls, they begin to take great care of their bodies. There are more athletic clubs in the modern world than there are spiritual retreat houses. And who shall count the millions spent in beauty shops to glorify faces that will one day be the prey of worms? It is not particularly difficult to find thousands who will spend two or three hours a day in exercising, but if you ask them to bend their knees to God in five minutes of prayer, they protest that it is too long. Mm. Added to this is the shocking amount that is yearly spent, not in the normal pleasure of drinking, but in its excess. And so very true words from Fulton Sheen to uh, prick our conscience, uh, to say to us, oh, we all want to work out for two hours a day. But if we want to spend even just five minutes with him, it's asking too much. So uh, very sobering words. Whew, yes. Isn't that the case? Wow. And I, you could even apply it to today is how many minutes do you waste scrolling on social media, watching YouTube videos, myself, maybe. Um, and, you know, you're like, you could also be praying. You could also spend a little bit of time with our Lord instead of just literally wasting your time scrolling through social media, watching YouTube videos. And I, whew, that pricked my conscience. So yes. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Alan. But uh, praise <laughs> be to God. You know, one thing that I thought was really interesting because this practice has kind of gone by the wayside in recent times, but it's making a resurgence. And Sheen talks about this. He says, It is not uncommon, therefore, to find Catholics who say, I knew I should not eat meat on Friday out of respect for the day in which our Lord sacrificed his life for me, but I did not want to embarrass my host. Or I was staying with some unbelieving friends over the weekend, and I did not want to embarrass them, so I did not go to Mass on Sunday. Or when they make fun of devotions to the Blessed Mother and ridiculed veneration of saints and the crucifix, I said nothing, 
because I did not want to start an argument about religion. What is Fulton Sheen's response to Catholics who say things like this? Well, he's he's labeling them as modernists, um, and and that it's this word of moderation. Um, they don't have any zeal. They've kind of lost their fire. Um, it's like, oh yeah, everybody's right. You know, is that uh, just that spirit of relativism? You know, hey, you do your thing, I'll do my thing. It's all cool, but let's not offend. Let's not offend. We don't want to do that. And well, don't be too quick to commit to Jesus because there might be a better offer later on. So mm. uh, it's this whole thing. They lack the zeal. They lack zeal. And uh, Fulton Sheen was calling us out on that um, to say, you guys are just trying to, uh, um, I just want to say, be mediocre. Uh, because again, Fulton Sheen says, you know, the world seems to crucify those who are on fire and those are who are too cold or those are too holy or those are who are too evil. Uh, we crucify those type of people. But those who are mediocre, they get by. <laughs> they, they don't get they don't get crucified. So uh, he's calling us out not to be mediocre. And that's the, the key. And he points to the Blessed Virgin Mary as our example, because she truly thirsted for the Lord. And we think of when she lost him for three days. Um, and of course, they just uh, looked all over Jerusalem for him and found him. But yet Our Lady knew what it was like to lose our Lord, to lose the most precious gift. And yet she just spent all of her energy with her holy husband, St. Joseph, to find him. And that's the holy example for us. We lose our Lord. And sometimes we lose him just because um, we're lost in the world. But to go and seek and find him, to have that zeal, and that is so important. But again, Fulton Sheen gives Our Lady as that holy example. Amen. Amen, Alan. Thank you for joining us, Alan. People can find you where? BishopSheenToday.com is the website, and it's got everything Sheen there. So please find me there. Amen. Thank you very much, Alan, for joining us. And we'll talk to you again next week, same time, same place, to talk about the sixth word from the cross. So God love you, Alan. God love you, too. We'll see you later. And remember... Today, it's not the problem that you desire too much. The problem is you do not desire enough. So thirst, but thirst for righteousness. Thirst for our Lord today. We'll be right back with more Catholic Drive Time. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. You're crazy! Deep within, we struggle. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. Because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. According to the American court system, can a jury of 12 citizens who are of varying moral beliefs, backgrounds, and persuasions objectively deem a person not guilty who actually committed the crime? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, church law. In the same manner, the Apostolic College, who are the unique inheritors of the Catholic Church authority, were also granted that same power. Secondly, certain limitations. The court of 12, called a jury, can only grant acquittal or guilt. The Apostolic 
Apostolic College proceeding from the Twelve Apostles can declare a third position, that being innocence, different from acquittal. And thirdly, a tough comeback. The jury of twelve wields frightening power that changes lives. The church also wields magnificent power that changes guilt into forgiveness and pardon. Is your Bible church obedient to James chapter 5, which says, Call for the elders of the church, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So if you ask your pastor to provide weekly opportunities to confess sins, will he? I've never heard y'all before. There is this lady with her big white SUV, and on the back of the windshield is this big cross with y'all's radio station underneath. Put it on y'all's radio station anyhow, and then it starts talking about the saints and how the saints give you signs, and they lead you into the right direction. I just appreciate you and God for putting that sign in my life and letting me know that it, it is Him, and it's okay. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. In your car, at the office, or in your home, we're always here. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. My name is Catherine and Valerie and Sarah, and we attend St. Maximilian Colby Catholic Community. And you're listening to KSHJ Houston, 1430 AM. Radio for your soul. Seeing none but I makes much of naught, he said, and human love needs human meriting. How hast thou merited of all man's clotted clay the dingiest clot? A clack thou knowest not. How little worthy of any love thou art, whom wilt thou find to love ignoble thee? Save me, save only me. Francis Thompson's The The Hounds of Heaven, a little excerpt from that. The Hounds of Heaven, what a beautiful poem. You should go check out the entirety of it. It's a beautiful, very rather long poem, actually, but it's a very beautiful one. Check it out. I always try to associate The Hounds of Heaven, and I always tell people this, that don't really know that much about poetry because uh, it's not actually true. I'm like, yeah, the Hounds of Heaven, he actually named that after the Dominicans. Um, and they're like, really? And they're like, no, not really. I'm just making that up. That but, sounds uh, cool, though. It does sound cool, doesn't it? But praise be to God. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful to meditate on the wounds of our Lord? I was just thinking, I'm just, I'm, are the wounds of Christ are flaming arrows that pierce the hardest hearts and inflame the coldest souls. Yes, that, that, that's uh, beautiful wording there. That... I, I like to quote, sorry, I like to quote Pope Benedict XVI, this particular quote, and it goes like this. Why do we seek comfort when we were made for greatness? And so the suffering that we see on the cross, the suffering that we need to accept in order to, to progress in our spiritual life, to, to reach our eternal reward, hopefully that will be spending time in his beatific vision, that means that we needed we we cannot be mediocre. We need to step up and convert the world. And as Alan said, if if one of us, if every Catholic on this earth would just convert one person in within their lifetime, the we could save the the world. The, this world would be different. Yeah, isn't that amazing? If everyone just you just you found you just pointed out one person, you're like, okay, this guy. By the time I die, I got, I have. Let's see, I probably maybe I'm 40 right now. Let's say I die at 85. Okay, I have 45 years to dedicate to this one person. And I'm going to get them. 
I'm going to get them, and I'm going to drag them to heaven, kicking or screaming, and whatever I got to do, this person is making it to heaven. And what amazing, what amazing things would happen if we just did that one thing and just made someone uh, with love someone so much to say, I'm going to get you to heaven. That's my life goal. Wow. Yes. What a grace. I definitely. I, I would, I, some suggestions, low-hanging fruit, your best friend. Mm-hmm. He, he or she trusts you. Go for it, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if your, they're not Catholic, your friends drag them kicking, screaming to to, uh, to heaven. It, it said, you know, that a nobody goes to heaven alone, and nobody goes to hell alone. That's very, very important because, and I want you to meditate on this today because this is very important. Nobody goes to heaven alone, and nobody goes to hell alone. What does this mean? This is referring to the fact that. No man is an island. We all are interacting with other people. We all are teaching certain things, even if it's only by our lives. And if we end up in hell, there's so many people that we have led astray. There's so many people that we have dragged to hell along with us, either by causing someone to, to be filled with anger by being a bad witness to the Catholic faith and they never end up going to go to church, by teaching heresy because we refuse to uh, spend the time to learn the faith properly, uh, any number of different things. But the same is true in reverse. When we go to heaven, we do not go to heaven alone. Because if we're going to heaven, we're following the dictates of the law. We're loving God and we're loving our neighbor. So we're preaching the gospel. So we are showing forth his love in our lives. We're being charitable to our neighbor. We are trying to destroy heresy around us. And this necessarily will lead souls to heaven along with us. And remember what St. Paul said, a converting sinners covereth a multitude of sins. So if nothing else, uh, do it for selfish reasons. Go save souls. <laughs> Absolutely. Just just think of that. A friend of yours, a, a friend who's a non-Catholic, try to convert that person. Fulton Sheen once said that not one person on this planet hates the Catholic Church, but there are multitudes that hate what they falsely think is the Catholic Church. So your friend who's always open to you, to you giving you an ear, open to suggestions and, and explanations, here's your opportunity target that close friend of yours and start educating them on the church. They'll listen to you. Educate yourself. You'll sanctify your own soul by learning some new things along the way. It's, it's low hanging fruit, man. We got, we got to go for it. And you know what? I was just reminded that today is the Ides of March. So beware the Ides of March. Did, Did you know that today used to be the deadline to file taxes? And they changed it because too many people kept saying, oh, it's the Ides of March. And the Ides of March is just some is a simple Roman holiday. But a significant date happened today when uh, Caesar was stabbed to death in the forum, in the Senate floor. Excuse me. So that's why people would say, beware the Ides of March. And uh, the IRS decided, yeah, we need to change the, the deadline for submitting your taxes. So they moved it to April. That's funny. That's funny because, uh, you know, that's kind of cool if we had kept the tax uh, date to being due on the Ides of March because in the early, uh, the Romans, that was their day. It was the, the last day of the year that you had to settle your debts. I did not know that. Yeah. I, I knew it was a significant to some extent. I just didn't know the details. 
Yeah, so it's kind of a, a <laughs> tradition that's like been been through history. That's really crazy. I yeah. didn't realize that that was what we used to do in America. Huh. Julius Caesar paid for his life. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Julius Caesar and uh, beware the Ides of March. He was uh, it was prophesied. That was a uh, Shakespeare made it made it popular in his in his play Julius that's Caesar. That's right. Yeah, that's what it comes from. Where Shakespeare prophesies uh, Julius Caesar comes to a soothsayer, and the soothsayer says, "Beware the Ides of March," and that's how that happens. Yes. So, fun facts. There you go. Now you got a little bit of Shakespeare knowledge for the day. You're welcome. You're, yes, and uh, I want to throw in a little bit of nugget there from Joseph Pierce. I've read his book on William Shakespeare, and I'm pretty much convinced he was a recusant Catholic. Oh, yeah, I'm convinced as well. And even even some people who are very uh, not friendly to Catholics have also started to come around to that idea. Uh, it's yeah. very interesting. It's starting to become more popular of an opinion, whereas before it was really very fringe. But now it's starting to be attraction. I've noticed that many more secular people have recognized that the evidence does point to the fact that William Shakespeare was, in fact, a Catholic. Yes, yes. M many Protestant Englishmen and English women uh, of, of, his of historical backgrounds, meaning they've got degrees in that, have been recognizing that also and premising and, and saying that's probably true that he was Catholic. They're, they haven't said 100% because they haven't found definitive evidence, but all the evidence that is out there, how he wrote his place, where he lived, who his parents and grandparents were, who his, his friends were, it, they're, they're all recusing Catholics. This was the time when uh, Queen Elizabeth was just uh, drawing and quartering uh, priests that were not allowed in England. And uh, go ahead and look on a search engine what drawing and quartering means. It's... it's, it's painful now you know speaking of stabbing people in the back because you know we're talking about ides of march <laughs> and and julius caesar got a one too many daggers at tebrute and you know on a completely different note completely different have you ever heard of the game diplomacy vaguely i think i do so diplomacy is this board game yes that is a very long game and they it is said that there is no luck plays any part in diplomacy and it's a purely strategic game and my a couple friends of mine actually invited me my friend just came uh, back for spring break from uh, seminary and I got a text message from him saying hey me and some buddies are gonna play diplomacy you should join us and I am uh, going to do this for the first time uh, going to be playing diplomacy, and apparently this is like a four-hour-long board game. So you're playing on week the weekend then? No, today. Oh. So I'm going to go today, oh. Oh. and we're going to play a four-hour-long board game. I've never played a board game that's taken that long, so I'm kind of um, nervous about the even being able to hold my attention on a single task for four hours straight. Maybe you guys want to warm up with a game of Risk and then jump into diplomacy. <laughs> right. Right. And I have no idea how to play the game. I've never heard of it. I was just looking it up yesterday, and I was like, oh, this looks complicated. Uh, so if anybody knows how to play diplomacy, shoot me an email and tell me uh, the secrets, how I can uh, win the game real quick, because I'm going to go in and be a complete noob. Noober. It seems pretty cool, though, because it's a strategic game where you kind of just you get to play as different countries, 
and you partner up with other people. And so it's it's a strategic game, but it's also apparently, like I said, I never played it. Apparently, it also relies on the on using proper speech and being able to try to persuade and dissuade people. So I think it's a very interesting concept for a game, but I will let you guys know tomorrow how that went, whether or not that was successful or was I just utterly and completely miserable in doing this. Does it say what era of the of history you'll be playing? World War One, World War yes. II, Cold War? It's I think it's post World War One. All right. So it's between or or leading up to World War One. It's like nineteen tens, I think. I think Good. that's when it takes place. Maybe you guys can uh, team up and vanquish the Ottoman Empire. Oof! Imagine. We. Uh, it's interesting you say that though, because you know the World War One is known as the the war to end monarchy and because really yes yes because all the monarchies in the world were wiped out after world war one that's right the the czars uh the austro-hungarian and uh biz uh whoever was the king the emperor of german the german empire you are correct yeah even even south america oh brazil brazil they lost their king as well uh, all the at the end of World War One, pretty much every monarchy was completely gutted or gone. N- Napoleon won out in the end. Yeah, really did, and that is very interesting to point out. And even then, we see um, leading up to World War Two, the whenever we get to World War Two, it's completely different nations almost. Every but, nation is going to be completely fundamentally changed. Yeah, they're republics or or uh, totalitarian uh, secular governments. We we. I would like to add that uh, the monarchies that were eliminated were Christian and uh, devoutly Catholic or Orthodox. And when I mention Napoleon, people are unaware of this, but Napoleon was known as the Antichrist because he represented the Re- French Republican values. And what, they, what that entailed meant was that the elimination of the Catholic monarchies and installation of secular left-wing uh, Republics, you know it's interesting. The you bring that up because he's such a strange character. Because after he gets defeated, they don't kill him. No, they they, they banish him. Yeah, in an and it causes more problems in the future. Yeah, it's yeah. so strange what the situation with Napoleon. He's a very interesting character. Sh- chivalric. They, the the Europe was very civilized, even though they engaged in horrific warfare. They had rules of engagement. They had rules of 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 uh, war. And uh, they just put him away, restored the monarchies, and said, oh, we're done with that. And, of course, he's escaped. And, and, and uh, he was the first one. Uh, well, there were many others. Uh, Nero was an antichrist. But the modern era, Napoleon was known as the modern uh, antichrist. And uh, for good reason. He, he, was, he wasn't that much of a bad fellow, but he was bad in his actions, uh, what he wanted to do. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, we're going about to jump into our game show. So if you want to be our caller, you can actually hop on right now by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. There you can always find our phone number and you can always get that, write it down, be able to get it. But otherwise, I'm going to give it to you. The number is 877-757-9424. That number Eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. Maybe you're on your way out the city for spring break. 
Well, dial the number 877-757-9424. That number gets you to be on our game show. The number is 877-757-9424. When we come back, we're going to be playing our game, Fear and Trembling. So call now, 877-757-9424. We'll be right back with Fear and Trembling after this. I'd known about the station for a long time, but I have to confess, I never tuned in. Perhaps I was biased, but then that changed, actually. Once I started listening, I, I, I kept the dial on where it was at. I like Teresa Tamio and Al Crest, and I just like their personalities. Call the Communion with Dr. David Anders and uh, More to Life with Pop Checks. I really, really love the show. I've learned a lot. But you know, also, I, I really like there's prayers interspersed. You get a lot more praying done in the day that I wouldn't otherwise. We want to support the radio station for sure. The Guadalupe Radio Network, Catholic Radio, radio for your soul. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard the expression, free love? Do you know what it means? It means false love. True love does not want to be free. It wants to bind itself. It wants to give everything and forever. It wants to make a vow, a promise that it will keep. G.K. Chesterton says the man who makes a vow makes an appointment with himself at some distant time or place. The question is, will he keep the vow? That's the adventure. The perils and the punishment must be real. If I bet, I must be made to pay, or there's no poetry in betting. If I challenge, I must be made to fight, or there's no poetry in challenging. And if I vow to be faithful, I must be cursed when I'm unfaithful or there's no fun in vowing. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Hey Donnie, what does the catechism say that the purpose of life is? The no love and serve God to be happy in the next. That's right, so we can be happy with Him in the next life. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children, and if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's the number to call to be part of our game show, Fear and Trembling, where we ask Catholic trivia questions and you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. That number to call to be on the game show, 877-757-9424. And if you've never called before, let me invite you personally to call in right now. The number is 877-757-9424. I'd love to hear your voice and know where you're from. So call in, 877-757-9424. And happy spring break to you guys. Praise be to God, it's a good time to be on spring break, but the Catholic trivia game goes on. So the game is very simple. It's very straightforward, easy peasy. How does it work? We ask three Catholic trivia questions. I'm going to ask Tito, 
and he's going to give me an answer. It's either going to be right or it's going to be wrong, and it's your job to tell me who the whether or not he's lying to you or he's telling the truth. It's a true and false question, which means a 50-50 chance, even if you don't know anything about the question, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right. That number to be part of the game show is 877 877- Seven five seven nine four two four. One more time, eight seven 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 five seven nine four two four. And each right answer goes in the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. And Tito, what could they win? They could win the fear and trembling prize for this week is a children's prayer journal plus a sticker bundle of four stickers, as well as a Marian holy card from Someday Saints. Someday Saints is an online store that sells prayer books, apparel, blankets, cards, and stickers that are all available at SomedaySaints.com. SomedaySaints.com. Thank you, SomedaySaints.com. And look at that. The phone line's lit up, so thank you to everyone who called in. Make sure you write down that number and call in tomorrow if you're not the one that we uh, pick for today. We always take the first caller, so the first caller is the one we go with every morning. So if you don't get on, make sure you call back tomorrow. God bless you. And thank you very much to SomedaySaints.com. SomedaySaints.com, they have this really great article on five tips to help bring your children to adoration. And I think it's pretty cool that they are giving away that little uh, adoration prayer book for kids. That's a pretty neat little gift for your kid to help them learn how to sit still and and give God some glory, and learn how to journal and pray better. What a great, great opportunity. I love it. Uh, Praise be to God. So thank you very much, Someday Saints, for being our sponsor this morning. And we have uh, someone on the line, and we're going to be getting their name here in a second. And there we go. All righty. Let's see. Lee joining us right now. Good morning to you, Lee. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Praise be to God. Um, how are you, Lee? Are you? Uh, how's your Lent going? My Lent's going well. I'm in your study group. I got my book yesterday. Uh, I was late to join, so everything's well. How about yours? Oh, praise be to God! I, I'm surviving it. It's a, it's it could be better, to be honest. I'm uh, I'm failing in in a number of things, but I am going to be trying to do better. And my my mother and I were chatting about it. And we were both like, yeah, you know, this Lent, for some reason, feels awfully long. And that was after just the first seven <laughs> days. So we're surviving it, though. We're surviving it, though. But thank you very much for being one of our insiders and for being on our Aquinas Catechism series. That's really neat. Uh, where are you off to today? Um, what, what, what was the question? Where are you off to today? Where are you headed? I'm at work. I've been here for probably an hour. Nice. Um. What do you do? You're an astrophysicist, or are you an engineer? I'm an accountant. Oh, an accountant. Ah, like my brother, this is the season. You're you're doing uh, probably there at the office all all day long. My uh, tax season is is always fun. That's a great time, huh? It is. It is. And never want to do the personal ones. You know, it's like the the cobbler's kids didn't have good shoes or whatnot. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was wondering, I was telling my brother, so does that mean you're going to do my taxes now? And he was like, no. (laughs) 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 But I tried, I tried. It didn't work out for me. Uh, But praise be to God, Lee, are you familiar with how the game works? Are you ready to play? I am, and I I will preface with I am recently converted and... 
which so, means you're an expert. You're on fire oh, for well, the faith. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Uh, I'm looking at the questions here, and I'm going to be honest. Uh, okay, I'm going to be honest. These are actually all three of these are really hard. You're probably going to get them all wrong. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't worry, Lee. Uh, I'm sure you're going to get these right. And even if you don't know the answers, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right, even if you just guess. So are you ready to play? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Uh, Tito, first yes. question. The question numero uno. Which is actually French for one. We. Oui. The question is, what does the Dean of the College of Cardinals do at the Pope's convention before the Pope is crowned? Before the Pope is crowned, like every other Catholic since the beginning of Pentecost, we say he recites the Our Father. Oh, wow. He, cites, he recites the Our Father. Yes, that, that like okay. every Catholic does. Okay, that yes. makes sense. That makes sense. It is the most perfect of all prayers, as St. Thomas says. So, praise be to God. Um, Lee, the question on the board, which I'm sure they teach this question in an RCIA. It makes sense, right? The question is, what does the Dean of the College of Cardinals do at the Pope's convention before the Pope is crowned? Tito says that he recites the Our Father. Is he right? Is he wrong? Is it true? Is it false? What say you, Lee? I'm going to go with true. You're going to go with true. Way to go, Lee. Congratulations. Got it. Easy peasy. They, they taught that to you in your RCA class, didn't they? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not. I, I have never heard this. This is something that I would not have known either. I, I did not know that this is actually the process, but apparently the dean of the College of Cardinals does, in fact, say the Our Father at the Pope's convention before he's crowned, uh, which I guess they don't really use the crown anymore either, anyway. So I guess they, no, I that's wonder, right. I wonder if they still do it um, just without the crown. Hmm. Huh. I wonder. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Okay. Are you ready for question number two, Lee? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. All right, Tito, we're going to go with question numero dos, oh. which is actually Greek for two. Ah, uh, the question yeah. is, in what century did the practice of declaring a holy year begin? Ah, uh, that's, I, for some reason, I got the 22nd century in my head. The 22nd century, you're saying? Yes, the 22nd century. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Uh, because God is outside of time, is what you're saying. Oh, he, everyone is except us. Yes. Oh. Yes. The the good and the the people in heaven and hell. Okay. I see what you're saying here. Okay. Very interesting. All righty, Lee. The question on the board is, in what century did the practice of declaring a holy year begin? Uh, Tito saying that the heavenly court, being outside of our temporal time, which I guess is redundant. Temporal time would mean the same thing. But uh, being outside of time, they actually declared it in the 22nd century. Lee, 15 seconds on the clock. Is he lying? Is he telling the truth? What say you? I say false. She says false. Way to go, Lee. Okay, just trick. Uh, so bonus question. What century is the correct answer? You know, I... I'm not very sure about that. I'm thinking either the second, the 33rd, or the four, year 400. 
But, oh wow, that's that's way earlier. So yeah. the, the the right answer is in fact the 15th century. Yeah, declaring uh, a whole year became it was pretty late to the game. Yeah, yeah I didn't realize yeah. that. It's that's uh, only wow. I guess in like the grand scheme of things, it's late. But for us, it's I guess like. So it's 600 years ago. So I guess it's a long time. Maybe it was a response to the Protestant Revolution. No, because that would have been the 1400s. Oh, that's the Protestant right. Revolution would have been 16th century. That's right. So I don't know. That's an interesting, interesting thing. I'd, I'd want to do some uh, research into that. But let's jump into question number three. Are you ready, Lee? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Question numero tres, which is actually Spanish for three. Uh, the question is, in what century did the practice... Uh, sorry, I just did that one. In, is <laughs> peace one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Yes, peace is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's um, it? Just yes? Yes, yes. yes. I'm, I'm yes. very confident okay. on this one. You're going with yes. 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 Yes, I'm going with yes. Yes, you're going with yes. Got it. Uh, much clearer than when people are like, you're right, uh, left, left, right, right. And it's like, <laughs> wait, what are we talking about? Uh, all right, Lee. Uh, I hope that I've turned things around and confused you enough, um, because here's the question for you. Is peace one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Well, Tito says yes. What say you, Lee? Is he right? Is he wrong? Is it true or is it false? It's true. It's true. Very good, Lee. Lee, did you did you know that one? Oh, wow. What? I did, because I, you know, I was Protestant before I was Catholic, so... Very good. Praise be to God. That's good really job. cool. I, I, honestly, I, I, no idea. I could not tell you the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be honest. I do not know them. Apple, I probably should. orange, uh, banana. <laughs> no. <laughs> I could probably do the... I might be able to do the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but the fruits of the Holy Spirit... I may not be able to do it for you. I may not be able to do it for you. But congratulations, Lee. You got three for three. It was easy peasy. Praise be to God. But stay on the line, Lee. We're going to get your contact information so that way we can contact you should we draw your name out on Friday. Do you have a kids or anybody that you would give the Children's Adoration Journal to? I, I don't. Uh, my children are not young, but I do have someone to give it to. Okay, perfect, perfect. Hopefully, hopefully a grandkid if your kids are not young. That would be pretty awesome. But congratulations, Lee. God love you. God bless you. And make sure you call back in the future. Okay, thank you. It was fun. All right, we'll put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. And that's going to do it for today. If you can join us, hop on our social media feeds, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, look up Catholic Drive Time, and you can interact with us directly. Or if you're in our private Telegram chat, we can chat with you there. If not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless and God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel, home of the Salt community. 
morning's Mass is for the Wednesday of the third week of Lent and is being offered for all of our online listeners and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio Media. Lord, who throughout these forty days for us did fast and pray, teach us with you to mourn our sins and close by you to stay as you with Satan did contend and did the victory win oh give us strength in you to fight in you to conquer sin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Brothers and sisters, let us call to mind our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that schooled through Lenten observance and nourished by your word through holy restraint, we may be devoted to you with all our heart and be ever united in prayer. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the book of Deuteronomy. Moses spoke to the people and said, Now Israel, hear the statutes and decrees, which I am teaching you to observe, that you may live and may enter in and take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Therefore I teach you the statutes and decrees, as the Lord my God has commanded me, that you may observe them in the land you are entering to occupy. Observe them carefully, for thus will you give evidence of your wisdom and intelligence to the nations, who will hear of all these statutes and say, This great nation is truly a wise and intelligent people. For what great nation is there that has God so close to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Or what great nation has statutes and decrees that are as just as this whole law which I am setting before you today? However, take care and be earnestly on your guard not to forget the things which your own eyes have seen nor let them slip from your memory as long as you live, but teach them to your children and to your children's children.
The word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Glorify the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he has strengthened the bars of your gates. He has blessed your children within you. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He sends forth his command to the earth. Swiftly runs his word. He spreads snow like wool. Frost he strews like ashes. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. He has proclaimed his word to Jacob, his statutes and his ordinances to Israel. He has not done thus for any other nation. His ordinances he has not made known to them. Praise the Lord, Jerusalem. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. Your words, Lord, are spirit and life. You have the words of everlasting life. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, King of endless glory. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish but to fulfill. Amen, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest part of a letter will pass from the law until all things have taken place. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever obeys and teaches these commandments will be called greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. morning's gospel we hear Jesus saying that he did not come to abolish the law and the prophets but to fulfill them. Indeed we know that everything about Jesus that we learn about in the gospel presents him as really being the fulfillment of everything which had been presented in the Old Testament. There's a few ways in particular this morning that I would like to share just to point out how Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets and in a way, too, to kind of highlight the kind of continuity that went from the Jewish practice of religion into Christianity as transformed by Jesus, from the people of God of Israel into the people of God as the church. Because sometimes in the world that we live in, people can kind of think that Jesus came just to create individual relationships to people and to kind of do away with formal religion. But that isn't really the case at all. Jesus came and he really confirmed the structures or many of the structures of religion which the Israelites had, but he also transformed them into something even more in his own person. The first way is to consider Jesus as being the fulfillment of the prophets. As Pope Emeritus Benedict XVI pointed out in his book, Jesus of Nazareth, he said that in the book of Deuteronomy, there was a rather astonishing prophecy of an expectation of the Messiah. Most of the times the expectation of the Messiah was in the royal kingly line of David, but in the book of Deuteronomy 
it is presented in the context of a new prophet who would be to come. And at the end of the book of Deuteronomy, there is a promise that a, pro a prophet like Moses will come to the people. So the expectation for the Israelites was that a new Moses would be coming among them. And what made Moses so special and what was making him considered to be a prophet is that Moses was said to have conversed with God as with a friend. It's interesting in a way when we think of prophecy, we oftentimes think of unveiling the veil of the future in order to be able to see and predict what will happen. And in fact, it's true that for most religions, there is this kind of decided desire to want to see into the future because if you can see into the future, you can see what dangers are coming in order to avoid them and you can find a path to prosperity. In other words, the prophetic word or the view into the future was kind of seen as being a pathway to salvation, to avoid dangers and perils and to find the path to prosperity. But with Moses, it was seen to be something even more because Moses conversed with God as with a friend. God revealed himself to him, and then Moses came and gave to people the law. In other words, rather than merely seeing into the future, what could be better and more important than God speaking to us himself and telling us in the present what is the path that we should follow? But it's worth noting that even Moses in his relationship with God, even though he conversed with him as a friend, as the book of Exodus tells us, there was still a limitation to it. The book of Exodus kind of pointed out in its metaphorical language that as God passed by Moses, he covered Moses' eyes and he only let Moses see his back. In other words, Moses is conversing with God as with a friend, but there is still a missing piece there. And so when Jesus comes, and Jesus who is the true son of the Father from the bosom of the Father, now finally we have the one who completely has the veil lifted as to who God is. And Jesus then comes as God himself, as the son of the Father, in order to reveal to us who God is. And in doing so, reveals to us who we are in relationship to him, and thereby points out the pathway to avoid the dangers and perils of damnation and to find the pathway to salvation. Jesus is the new Moses because he is the one who reveals perfectly the face of the Father and therefore is the fulfillment of the prophets. We no longer need to see into the future. Jesus has already revealed to us what we need to do to find the path to salvation. Second parallel which we can point out of what Jesus comes to fulfill is really a continuation of today's first reading from the book of Deuteronomy of the people's journey toward the promised land. The Israelites are the people of God, are formed in a special relationship with God. They are delivered from slavery into Egypt in order to be led to the promised land where the land in scripture is really meant to be a place where people can worship God freely. So rather than being in foreign lands where they are stuck with various superstitions and abominations to true worship, now the Israelites, by having their own promised land, will be able to worship God in truth, and they will be able to build their land upon the commandments and the covenant which God has built with them. Of course, what the Israelites came to learn was that merely possession of the promised land did not guarantee that they would be preserved from abominable practices. They constantly had to stamp out any threats to proper worship.
But really when we see what Jesus has come to fulfill, the people of God who is formed in a special relationship with the Father really is the body of Christ, the church which Jesus has formed. And the exodus from slavery that Jesus leads us on and that we are celebrating in a special way in the Lenten season, it is really the exodus from the slavery of sin and the consequences of sin which are death in order to be totally free in Christ, to choose the good, to reject evil, and thereby to find joy in the resurrection of Christ and victory over death. Jesus leads us to be free from sin in order to worship and to live his love perfectly. And finally, we can point out as well that even the sacred priesthood has been transformed in Jesus Christ. For the Israelites, for the people of God, the priesthood was something sacred. On the one hand, the priest was a mediator of a covenant between God and the people. He would offer the sacrifice of animals on the altar at the appropriate times in order to make atonement for sin and pray for atonement. And then the priest, having entered into the Holy of Holies or into the presence of God where the Ark of the Covenant was, would then be able to come out and give a blessing coming from God himself. Well, in Jesus, the priesthood too is transformed, that Jesus himself becomes the one high priest, the true mediator of the covenant between God and man. Jesus in his divinity touches the divine nature in his humanity. He represents us, and in offering his life on the cross, he himself becomes the perfect sacrifice which is offered and perpetuated in the life of the church and which is celebrated by the priest every time the holy sacrifice of the mass is celebrated. And so now the priesthood really becomes a continuation of that one high priesthood of Jesus Christ, of his saving ministry, by which we continue to offer that one saving sacrifice of Christ on the cross through which redemption and salvation is found. My brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ truly is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. In Jesus, we have everything that we need in order to find the pathway to salvation in order to live in freedom from sin, in order to live virtuously and to live well. And so as we continue our Lenten journey, let us ask God for the grace that we would continue in our own exodus away from sin and temptation, that we would always strive to live the law of God, that we would strive to teach his holy law, and that we would always live in the grace that Jesus has won for us. Amen. We should pour forth prayers at all times, dear brothers and sisters, but above all, in these days of Lent, we ought to watch more intently with Christ and direct our petitions more fervently to God. For the whole Christian people, that in this sacred time they may be more abundantly nourished by every word that comes from the mouth of God, we pray to the Lord. For the whole world, that in lasting tranquility and peace our days may truly become the acceptable time of grace and salvation, we pray to the Lord. For sinners and the neglectful, that in this time of reconciliation they may return to Christ, let us pray to the Lord. For ourselves, that God may at last stir up in our hearts aversion for our sins, let us pray to the Lord. Grant, we pray, O Lord, that your people may turn to you with all their heart, so that whatever they dare to ask in fitting prayer they may receive by your mercy through Christ our Lord.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we offer you, fruit of the earth and work of human hands. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. Fruit of the vine and work of human hands, it will become our spiritual drink. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Except, O Lord, we pray the prayers of your people, along with these sacrificial offerings, and defend those who celebrate your mysteries from every kind of danger, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, for you have given your children a sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world, as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you, as without end we acclaim. Holy, holy, holy Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me.
mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you've held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, and bring her to the fullness of charity together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs of eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil, and graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church. And graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace.
Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. For those who are unable to receive our Lord sacramentally in Holy Communion, we invite you to pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Love divine, all love's excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling All thy faithful mercies crown Jesus, source of all compassion Pure, unbounded love thou art Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Let us pray. May the heavenly banquet at which we have been fed sanctify us, O Lord, and cleansing us of all errors, make us worthy of your promises from on high through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Give to your people, our God, a resolve that is pleasing to you, for by conforming them to your teachings, you bestow on them every favor through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. At the cross her station keeping Stood the mournful mother weeping Close to Jesus, to the Lamb Through her heart his sorrow sharing, all his bitter anguish bearing. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, 
by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary, we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen. Spreading the splendor of truth, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Blake Pellerin from Arrows Rugby, Houston's only 